Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers and men of influence. Um, I just want to give a big thank you guys. Maybe if we could like give a round of applause to like all the dads and everything in the room. And that's, that's part of why Chris was like, you know what would be nice if I didn't have to preach on Father's Day. So here I am. Um, that's my gift to you. No, just, there, there's more. I'll give it to you later. Um, so my name is Rihanna Smith. Um, if you don't know me, I am the family pastor here at the Mission Redlands. And I'm often asked, what does that mean? <laughs> what does that even look like? And so I came up with a definition. I made it up. So if you have something better, if you come see me afterwards, let me know what that is so that I can um, steal it from you. So basically, I oversee the children's and youth ministries here, and I advocate for family and intergenerational ministry um, at our church. And so um, I am going to give you a little caveat, though, this morning. Uh, I spent the entire week... Uh, sleeping in the fellowship hall with a bunch of youth kids, uh, and we served our community this week like crazy. So I am a little tired, and so if you would give me some grace this morning, um, and that way if I mess up, um, I have an excuse, and if I do really well, we can be surprised together about me doing well, okay? Um, today we are in part two of a three-part series called Killing It, and what we're talking about is killing pride. Um, it's that thing in all of us that keeps us from doing the things that we want to do, and it's that thing in all of us that makes us do the things that we wish we didn't do. And so it, it's really... Um, <laughs> so it really is uh, one of those things that we want to kill before it kills us and everything around us. That is what we are doing as we go through this series. Um, it's that sin that has a tendency to rise up when we least expect it. And the difficult thing is that it's easy to spot in others. When we see pride um, come out in other people, we instantly are like on that. Like that is the sin of pride. But when we, we just often don't see it in ourselves. It's one of those things that it's just difficult. And it rears its ugly head. Um, so last week, Chris, he asked us uh, to go ahead and um, be introspective, to look inward and ask the question, where does this pride thing creep up in my life? How does it creep up in my life? And so we took some time at the end and asked that question. And what we do when we figure out what that is, is we want to take the remote control from pride. We don't want it to have the control in our lives. And instead, we want to hand that control over to God so that God's work can be done in our lives, so that God is the one that's in control. And the way that we do that is by first and foremost becoming a servant. So today, um, let's move on to part two. Uh, we're going to get a little bit more narrow in our approach. We're going to be talking about three P people, and we're going to get into what that means in just a second. But first, uh, I want to go ahead and pray, and then we will get started, okay? <sighs> Father, uh, we just want to come before you humbly. Uh, we just ask that your Holy Spirit would just be speaking to our hearts this morning. God, that you would just use me as your mouthpiece. Um, that I wouldn't speak my own words, God, but just the message that you've given me, that you would just be at work in this place. So we invite your Holy Spirit to just rest on us, to come inside of us, to speak to all of our hearts as we um, just figure out what this looks like um, to, to have to battle pride in this unique way. Amen. Okay, so today's take-home truth is killing pride means giving up my kingdom in favor of God's kingdom. 
Uh, I want to spend our time today unpacking what that truth looks like, what it looked like in scripture, what it looks like um, maybe as some specifics in our own lives, and see, see what that looks like. And so we're actually going to go ahead and read our theme verse today. So if you guys want to stand up, it's going to be a real quick, real quick verse for us this morning. And that's just going to be kind of what we look back to as we read the rest of our scriptures and everything today. So um, our, t- our theme verse is Proverbs sixteen eighteen, And it says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. All right, and you may be seated. See, I told you it was short. So 3P people. What are these 3P people, um, and what are the unique challenges that they face? Uh, these are the kind of people um, who have power, prestige, and possession. See, they all start with a P, 3P people. So we got our 3P people. Um, these are the people that when they walk in the room, they get their way. They walk in and you're like, I want to honor you because you are amazing and I want to listen to whatever you have to say. Just speak wisdom into my ears. It's those kinds of people. It's the kind of people that maybe they have nicer clothes than you do. Or maybe um, you're the one with the nice clothes. I'm not sure. So it, it's those kinds of people. Um, people laugh at their jokes Maybe because they have um, some money, and so you think they're a little bit funnier than everybody else. They drive a better car. They have influence. Uh, Maybe they are envied. But either way, they have pull, they have resources, and they are honored often. So these are the kind of people that we're talking about. And maybe right now you're thinking, yeah, that's definitely not me. I am not that person. And that was my first reaction. I was like, whoa, 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 I am not that person, right? I don't have power. I don't have prestige. I don't have a bunch of possessions. But the thing is that um, I am going to push back on that notion some because I was challenged with that as well. So... <laughs> um, if there was somebody from the 3 billion people in the world who make less than $2.25 a day were dropped into your world right now and they saw the way that you live, they would swear that you are a 3P person. They would swear that you have power, prestige, and possessions. Or if you were dropped into their world and you and, and they were with you, and you tried to make a case to them that you were not a 3P person, I'm pretty sure that you would feel a little embarrassed. (laughs) Um, I know that I would feel a little embarrassed trying to make the case that I was not a 3P person. Um, And that's a lot of people. Three billion people is a lot of people who would think that we have these things, that we have power, prestige, and possessions. And um, also, if we were dropped into those people's lives um, and we didn't have any resources with us, it would be very easy for us to make some phone calls, get on the Internet, start a Facebook group, and we could raise money to do whatever we wanted to do in that world. We would be able to get a hold of those resources. And so I just want to paint a very quick picture of what I mean when I say this, um, because I actually um, experienced it when I went to Thailand. So... When I went to Thailand, um, part of what we did was we went into a rural part of Thailand, basically the boonies of Thailand. You were out in kind of the jungle area, and we went there to paint a church. And when we got there, it was very obvious right away that they saw that we were 3P people because they were wanting to honor us. And the funny thing is, is that we went there to serve. We were the ones who were supposed to be the servants, and yet we were being honored constantly. 
And the day before we were going to be leaving, we actually went into the, one of their church services and they asked us to speak to them. And, um, most of the people there are not like preachers or anything like that, but, um, they wanted us to get up and share with them. And the thing is, is that they like listened to us. Like we were the wisest people in the world and we were just sharing with them what we had been learning there. And then after the service, what they did is they set up a table for us. And they got out these chairs. And the only people that sat at this table were the pastor, the Envision missionaries, and us. And it was our special table. And they were honoring us. And there were a lot of people there who had um, disabilities. So there were some blind people. There were some people who didn't have legs or people who just couldn't walk. And what I saw happen after service was everybody set up the table, not allowing us to help. And then they kind of all segregated themselves. So all of us sat at the table. Um, the people who with, didn't have disabilities or legs, I mean, who did have disabilities or, or didn't have legs, um, as well as just some of the other congregants sat on the floor. The blind people went and sat out in the heat at a table. And then there was one woman in a wheelchair who just sat by herself outside. And I was like looking around and I was you know, at first I was feeling pretty good. Like we are here, we served these people, we shared wisdom with them. Um, we're doing all these amazing things. And then I was like, but wait, like what's happening here? Like, what? wait a second. I think I'm a 3P person. Like, I think that these people are honoring me, that, that they are thinking that I'm better than them, that they are putting me in this place because first of all, the, I have power. They listen to my message. I have prestige. They've set up this amazing table for us and made food. And I have possessions because I was able to get here and fly here and buy paint supplies and serve these people. And um, I started to feel that pride thing creep up in me a little bit. And I was kind of brought back to reality. And God challenged me to go sit outside um, with the woman in the wheelchair who was sitting by herself. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so I, I went ahead and I went and sat with her. And I wish I could say at that moment that I didn't get prideful because I was getting out of my comfort zone and I was going to serve this woman, but I kind of did. And I looked at my teammates and I was also feeling, I think, a little bit good about myself, like, oh, I'm going to go and, you know, take care of this lady and get out of my comfort zone and not sit with you guys and take myself out of this place of honor. Um, and, and I really was starting to, even in that moment where I'm like, God is speaking to me, go sit with this woman and starting to feel like, wow, you know what? Um, I, I feel like I'm better than, than some of these people here. And, and when I sat with her, um, I also wish that I, I could say that I was not looking down on her, that I was not feeling sorry for her for being in the place that she was at. But part of me was. And I really, really hope that God's grace was covering me and that she did not see that I, um, as I ate with her, that I actually was physically gagging because she had such a hard time keeping food in her mouth as she ate. Um, and I wish that, that those were not the truth, that that was not the truth about my sinful self, but that is the truth of my sinful self but God and I love that I love those but gods in scripture and in our life because what happened was 
um, he showed me that I was not better than my teammates for getting up. I was just being obedient. And they had been obedient all week in everything that God had asked them to do. But he didn't ask them to do that. He asked me to do that. And that being prideful in that moment um, was not what I should be doing. Um, that I was just called to be obedient and to be um, that example Um, He was teaching me to have a love for all people that was unbiased, not because they were less than or because people are better than, but an unbiased love that is unconditional across cultures, across the fact that I couldn't speak their language, across the fact that... um, that some of them had maybe some disabilities or some of them um, had issues and I couldn't even communicate with them, that God was just giving me a love and not a sympathy or I feel sorry for you because you're in a worse position than me, but a real genuine love. And that is what God was teaching me in those moments. Um, but also to recognize that we were three P people and that that comes with much responsibility. So if we are a 3P person, it is not humble for us to say, no, 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 I'm not a 3P person. Or to pretend that we are just not, because that is what allows pride to get in, is when we deny the fact that we have this prestige and power and possessions. This is where pride can come in even more. And so instead, we need to recognize we are 3P people in America. We have resources And then we can begin to ask that that question, um, am I doing what God's called me to do with what he's given me? Am I being a good steward? Or am I using my power, prestige, and possessions to serve my kingdom and purposes? So denying you are a 3P person is not humility. So that's one of our notes for today. Denying you are a 3P person is not humility. And denying you are a 3P person actually sets you up to misuse your power, prestige, and possessions. If we can recognize that we are 3P people, then God can use those things for his kingdom. And what an amazing thing when that happens, because God will do such a work in us. So I actually want to tell a story of two kings and two kingdoms today. And we are actually going to be in the book of Daniel. And we are going to just be digging into the biblical narrative. If you want to turn your Bibles there, um, we are going to, I'm going to do a little bit of paraphrasing, a little bit of explanation, and then I'm going to also read some parts of that. And so um, that is going to be the bulk of our message today. And... Uh, and I'm just so excited to, to share this story with you because I feel like it is such a warning to us. And I'm like, oh God, thank you for these stories. Thank you for the, these things that you, do, you did in the past so that we can um, not have to experience them ourselves. Okay, so uh, this story is about King Nebuchadnezzar. And this is about 605 BC. King Nebuchadnezzar's army invades Jerusalem. And what he did when he would invade places is he would go in and he would take things that were of value. 
He would go into the holy places and he would steal their idols or anything that he thought, like obviously in Jerusalem there was no idol, so he would take things out of the temple that kind of represented what this God was. And so he would take all these things. The other thing that he would do is he would take the best and brightest men from those places. He would train them. He would teach them what it meant to be a Babylonian. And he would um, just bring them into his palace guard or he would put them um, with all of his wise men. And then he would have the wise men and the wisdom of all these nations. And that was really smart of him. He was a pretty smart dude to be able to have the wisdom of all these nations that he's ruling over. And he has the best and brightest men that can tell him um, what to be doing. And so um, when he invaded Jerusalem, he took four very important guys that we know if we've ever read the Bible or if we've ever even heard a Bible story. And that is Daniel. And then the other three are three, and you guys are feel welcome to say them with me. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? And so those three are always said together. We always, um, and the little kids are really funny when they try to say it. Um, it's really cute. Um, so after these guys were made a part of Nebuchadnezzar's royal peeps for a while, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream. And he says to all of the wise people and enchanters and all these people that are supposed to know stuff, he brings them before him. He says, hey, um, I need you guys to interpret this dream, but I'm not going to tell you what the dream is. You have to tell me what the dream is, and then you have to interpret it. And they're like, but that's crazy. You mean like we are, I mean, we, God, only God could do that. And they're like, he's like, yeah, like you're supposed to be like in tune with God. Come on, you guys need to do this. So he's getting all upset that these people will not do this. And he's saying, I'm going to give you gifts. I'm going to honor you. Just, just do this thing for me because I don't want you guys just making stuff up once I tell you what, what the dream is. I want to know that this is really from God. And so he's all ready to kill them. <laughs> he's like, I'm going to kill all of you if you uh, don't go ahead and do this. And that's when Daniel steps in. He says, give me one day. Give me one day. I'll tell you what your dream is, and then I will interpret it for you. So he goes ahead and lets him. And what ends up happening is Daniel interprets the dream. He tells him the dream, interprets the dream. And Daniel, and what ends up happening is that Nebuchadnezzar is like, Daniel's God is the God of gods. Daniel's God is the king of kings. He recognizes that. But later, the king forgets. He forgets, um, as sometimes we all do. This king, he, he forgets and he decrees for everyone to worship this idol. And it's supposed to represent like his authority and his power. And so he says, everybody needs to go ahead and worship this idol. But the people that wouldn't do it were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And so he throws them into the furnace. And guess what? They don't burn up. <laughs> They're just walking around in there with someone who looks like a god. And then he, they come out and he's like, okay, okay, um, their god is the one true god. And this is what he says in verse 28 of Daniel 3. Verse 28 of Daniel 3 says, Praise be to the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble for no other god can save this way. So Nebuchadnezzar once again He's like, wait, I have this realization. God is God, right? Like, this is the real one true God. 
Um, but And so we kind of see Nebuchadnezzar as he's like has this on-again, off-again faith in the one true God. But you know what happens is when you're the ruler of like everything, <laughs> you're the ruler of the world basically at that time, and you have conquered all these nations, and people come to you and they honor you and they're giving you gifts and they're saying, you are so amazing, you are awesome, and it kind of tends to get to your head a little bit. And that's what, what happens with Nebuchadnezzar. And so about 25 years go by, and Nebuchadnezzar has another dream. And here's how it starts in Daniel 4, verse 4. I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace. And this is him writing this, and, and we, we get this. It's so awesome that this was... Um, just save for us. I'm so excited. So I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at home in my palace, contented and prosperous. I had a dream that made me afraid. As I was lying in bed, the images and visions that passed through my mind terrified me. So again, he calls Daniel, right? And he says, Daniel, I need you to interpret this dream for me. Um, let me go ahead and tell you what, what the dream is, okay? So in about verse 10, it says, There before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong, and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant. And on it was food for all. Under it, the wild animals found shelter and the birds lived in its branches. From it, every creature was fed. In the vision I saw while lying in bed, I looked and there before me was a holy one, a messenger or an angel, if you will, coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree and under it... Um, Uh, And trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter its fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its roots bound with iron and bronze remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal." Till seven times pass by for him. The decision is announced by messengers. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the most high is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets them over the lowliest people. So he tells this dream to Daniel and Daniel is just standing there like in shock. And he doesn't say anything. And Nebuchadnezzar has to convince him to tell him. He's like, come on, Daniel, just tell me the dream. It's fine. Just go ahead and tell it to me. Daniel then says, okay, if only this dream were about your enemies. But it is about you. The tree is you. And then he tells him what the Most High has declared. You will be driven away from people and live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the ox and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven times or seven years will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth and gives them to anyone he wishes. Basically, Daniel says to the king, That this is going to be your lot in life until you realize who the king is. That you are a king, Nebuchadnezzar, but you are not the king. Yeah. Then he continues. 
in verse 26, the command to leave the stump of the tree with its roots means that your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Heaven rules. Therefore, your majesty, be pleased to accept my advice. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that then your prosperity will continue. God may relent if you repent, right? He may relent, but you have to turn from this. You have to realize that heaven rules. And what this means when heaven rules is that God gives us our power, prestige, and possessions. He gives them to whoever he wishes. And whether we like it or not, God's kingdom is the only kingdom. And he sets us over the things that he has given us because he wants to. Which means he can also take it from from us anytime he wants. He can take it from us anytime he wants. Because he is the king of kings. So a year goes by, and this hasn't happened yet. It hasn't been fulfilled. King Nebuchadnezzar is up on his roof of his palace, and he's looking over everything. He's looking over everything that he's done. He's looking at how awesome everything looks, all the things he's owned. And he says, is not this the great Babylon that I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power? And for the glory of my majesty. And this is the part where if it was a movie, we'd all go, no, right? (laughs) And even as the words are still on his lips, someone comes to talk to him, right? A voice from heaven. This is what is decreed for you because you are not the king, which means that something can be decreed over you says, King Nebuchadnezzar, your royal authority has been taken from you. Whether Nebuchadnezzar knew it or not, he was accountable to someone greater than himself. He maybe didn't know that, but he was. Um, and so in verse 32, it, it restates the point again, right? So you're going to be a wild animal. You're going to eat grass like an ox. You're going to basically just become this wild animal until seven times have passed. And then you can come back. Um, because your sanity will be restored and you will recognize that God is the one true God. I just, I just have to repeat this part though. The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth. And he gives them to anyone he wishes. And can I just say that like after this and it says that he like, he grows feathers. <laughs> And he, like, gets these claws. And I'm like, that is just the creepiest thing ever. Like, it must be some sort of miraculous thing that happens. But actually, um, there's actually, this actually, this is a condition that can happen to people where they really believe they are like a cow or they really believe they are an animal. And it's called boanthropy. And you can totally Google this. So, <laughs> or Wikipedia it. Um, and you can learn about like these stories of where this has happened to real people where like they are in mental institutions and they like let them out and like they graze in the grass and stuff. Um, it's pretty crazy stuff. Um, uh, yeah, it's just ridiculous to me. So it's, it's just crazy. So in verse 34, what ends up happening is after Nebuchadnezzar has been there for seven years, it says at the end of that time, I, Nebuchadnezzar, raised my eyes towards heaven and my sanity was restored. 
Then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified Him who lives forever, because His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as He pleases with the powers of heaven and the people of the earth. No one can hold back His hand or say to Him, What have you done, God? At the same time that my sanity was restored, my honor and splendor were returned to me. Right? He got his power, his possessions, and his prestige back. But it was only once he realized that God was the God of gods. His advisors and nobles sought him out, and he was restored to his throne. And it says, Now I, Nebuchadnezzar, praise and exalt and glorify the King of heaven, because everything he does is right, and all his ways are just, and those who walk in pride he is able to humble. Heaven rules, and those who walk in pride, God is able to humble. Nebuchadnezzar forgot something that we often forget. We are a ruler, or he is a ruler, of a kingdom that God has given him. God has given us our little kingdoms, hasn't he? Our little spheres of influence, these places where we have this power, prestige, and possessions. But that means that God, um, that we are accountable to God. And that he can take it from us anytime he wishes. And I think it would be wise of us to heed what hap- like the warning that this story gives us. Don't let it go to this point in our lives where we have to be humbled this way. Where God has to strip everything from underneath us before we realize how prideful we've been. And instead, doing that thing that Chris challenged us to last week of being introspective and looking at our lives and seeing where does this pride keep creep up in us. To remember that God is the king of kings and we are just kings or queens of our little kingdoms. <laughs> but we are not the king of kings. And life is not all about us, about what we have done, about what we have built, or about how amazing we are. It's about what God has done and about what he wants to do in and through us to build his kingdom and his purposes. Uh, so last week when I was asked the question, where or how does pride keep creep up in your life? Um, there were some things that were brought to my mind. Um, and, and, I was, and I did hand those over to the Lord. But then this week... When I was stretched and I was serving and I didn't get a lot of sleep, uh, I suddenly realized that pride had crept back in when I was weak, when I was at those weak moments. And I found that in my life, it creeped up in a critical spirit. And God showed that to me as I was praying. Uh, And that critical spirit was going into the lives of the youth as I saw them maybe complain a little bit or slack a little here and there. And I was only seeing the negative. And then I was telling them that negative, but I was withholding praise from them. I was withholding the good things that I actually saw them doing and accomplishing and the good that they were, they were working towards. And, and when I realized that, uh, I, I handed that over to the Lord and God actually led me to apologize to them for doing that because it was prideful for me to hold back that praise to them because what I was trying to do was be the Holy Spirit in their lives and I wasn't actually leaving room for God to transform them and instead I was just shaming them and making it so that they would 
want to do better for me and my kingdom and not be transformed so that they could serve God's kingdoms and purposes, right? God's kingdom and purposes. And, and that was a really, um, kind of a, a <laughs> that's something that God's constantly working on me with is that critical spirit. And, uh, and so I was really, I was, Thankful that he showed me that. And so actually, that was one thing that God was teaching me this week. But I actually wanted to bring up a couple youth to just share some of what God taught them this week. And so if I could have Krista come up first. And then, um, actually, I'll just have all three of you guys come up and hang out. Sophia and Emily, come on. <laughs> so they're going to share with you a little bit about what they learned. And can I get the this mic on? So they're going to share with you... Um, what they did, a little bit what they did, and then what God taught them, okay? Okay, so this week, um, I did a lot of things that I really liked. Uh, <laughs> it was really fun. Um, I liked helping at the community center, and I liked passing out waters to the homeless, which I'm not normally, like, I'm not very good at talking to people because I get very like shy and scared but um this is new for me and that day I was felt like God was speaking through me and wanted me to go and hand out water bottles like we said and that really helped me a lot uh, realize what God like that God in our comfort zone when we walk out of it uh, when we are weak he is, makes us stronger because he's He's very strong and <laughs> uh, it's hard uh, when we get out of our comfort zone, but he helps us and he speaks through us to the people. And even though it may feel weird and very scary, but he takes over and he helps you. And um, that's what I learned. And I also, that through the week, it helped me make more friends with my youth group and realize who they are and how nice they are. Uh, it was really fun. I really liked them. <laughs> awesome. Thank you, Krista. I think, um, I think sometimes when we stay in our comfort zones, we're kind of protecting our kingdom a little bit. And so when we get out of that comfort zone and step out, then we are able to finally allow God to bring his kingdom through our lives. So um, thank you, Krista, for sharing that. You did awesome. All right, so this is Emily. My favorite part of this week was working in the uh, community garden. It was, it was fun, even though we had to pick we- like get weeds out of the garden. That was really annoying. But <laughs> harvesting strawberries was fun because we got to see where the strawberries were coming from, and then we got to bring them to the Blessing Center and hand those out to people. And it was really nice to see that those were actual strawberries and not just ones from the store. And another thing I liked was um, handing out water bottles, too. Um, because, yeah, we got turned down a lot, because they probably thought we were crazy. But it was nice because... It was like something different, and I don't think anyone else would have handed out water bottles to on a hot day. And I learned that sometimes we just can't be in our own little world, and we can't be selfish because 
that just won't work because there's other people in this world and everyone has a different life in their own eyes. And I learned that we have to see that and not just be ourselves, you know, in our way, but in everybody else's way. Perfect. Thanks. The, the way that Emily put it when we were sitting around the table talking about um, what we learned was she's like, yeah, I learned that I've been really selfish. <laughs> she just like said it like that. She's like, and that I need to not be selfish anymore. And I'm like, awesome. <laughs> because that totally is like we do. We get so selfish and worried about our stuff and our kingdom and what's happening in our lives. And we totally forget about what other people are going through and what's happening with them. So this is Sophia. Go ahead, Sophia. Um... My favorite part of this week was when we got when we packed a sack lunch. We got to find a homeless person or another friend to sit with and Andrew and I found this one homeless person. He was deaf but not mute. And it was really cool because when we gave him lunch he was like, "For me? <laughs> what?" And I thought it was really cool to see the um surprise on his face because many people probably don't do that. And then I liked getting out of my comfort zone. Like right now I'm getting out of my comfort zone because I don't talk in front of people. Um, But yeah, passing out waters was cool because like the smile on their faces when we gave it to them, that was a cool experience. Awesome. And what was God teaching you? He taught me that it's okay to get out of our comfort zones um, a little like to get out of our comfort zone sometimes and it's okay and that there's more to life than just the phones or tablets or anything that we play on like we should actually go out and actually do stuff and like instead of just sitting there with our phones and our faces um and acknowledge that there's other people in the world that some of them most of them need help and that we could be out there doing that and not texting the same person that's in the same room. <laughs> Thank you, Sophia. Yes, it definitely was. Um, also, the, the guy um, that she was talking about that they gave lunch to, um, they said that when they walked up to him, he's like, how did you know that I needed a lunch today. Like, how did you know I was coming here to find lunch? Um, and then, and like, he, they couldn't communicate with him very well, but they, and he ended up saying, did God tell you to come here? And so that was really, really cool um, to see them really, uh, they did, they got out of their comfort zones like continuously and to see that growth in them and that servant's heart just really be shaped in them, that they were, um, they were so amazing. They worked so hard. I mean, what the day, they actually fasted from Thursday afternoon to Friday afternoon and they had to work in the community garden and they were offering to let them eat those strawberries that they were picking and they they were so self-controlled and didn't do it um, because they were fasting in order to raise money to build that well in Burkina Faso and so they they were fantastic and I know I'm totally bragging on them but that's okay I'm allowed to be I'm allowed to be proud of them right (laughs) they were awesome Right, and that's not the kind of pride we're talking about anyways. That, 
right? Being proud of, of our, pe- our people are, is a good thing. Uh, but okay, so let's, um, so in our sphere of influence, we may not be a 3P person in the sense that when we walk in a room, everybody maybe doesn't listen to us. But maybe you're starting to realize that at some, in some part of the world or to some people, you would be seen as a 3P person. And that God has given us those things to be in charge of. And that whatever he's given us, we're going to be accountable for. What did we do with it? Were we good stewards? And so either way, I I have a few, I have a list of, I think it was like four things, four-ish things of how we kill pride. And this will just be the conclusion um, of of our time here today. So to kill pride, we need to recognize if we are a 3P person. And recognize it and admit it. Realize that we are accountable for what God has given us. And then um, when we are in moments where we feel pretty good about ourselves, we're feeling like, yeah, I've done some pretty good stuff. I'm looking pretty good today. There's some good stuff happening. I've, I've accomplished a lot. Uh, that we, in those moments, even out loud, if you have to say it, you say no to pride. No pride. I am not going to listen to you. And we say yes to stewardship. We say yes to stewardship because um, that's all we are. We're, we're not the owners of it. We don't own it. We are just given it for a time to be stewards. And when we are in... Mom- I'm sorry. And then... Um, the other thing is to be grateful. I think that was one thing we learned this week also, is that we learn to be grateful. Grateful for everything that God has given us. Grateful but not arrogant. And I think the best way to kill pride is serving Jesus through serving others in true humility. Not a humility that says, I'm not a 3P person, or a humility that says, I'm better than you, so I have to, you know, serve you. Or I'm up here and you're down here, and so um, I'm going to have to help you now. But instead, a real servant, a real servant's heart, and realize that heaven rules, right? Heaven rules. God's kingdom rules, and God's kingdom is always about bringing his good news and his light to a broken world. The Most High is sovereign over all kingdoms on earth, and he gives them to anyone he wishes. Yeah. All right, so I'm going to go ahead and call the ushers forward, and then we're going to go ahead and pray. <sighs> Father, we just, we thank you. Thank you for, for teaching us what it means to not be arrogant and prideful, what it means to serve others, what it means to get outside of ourselves and care about people around us. Thank you that you have created us with power, prestige, and possessions, God, that we even have something that we are responsible for, God. And we know that when you give us something and we are doing what we're supposed to be doing with it, God, then you give us more more things to be responsible over. God, would we just be have giving spirits, giving hearts uh, to, the, to the people around us, to the hurting, to the broken. I know here at the mission that we want to serve you by serving the least, the last, and the lost. 
God, and that's one of the things that we do with our funds here, Lord, is that we go out and we do those things. Just pray that um, whatever you've led for us to give today, God, that we would be willing to give, that we would be being good stewards with what you've given us. God, help us to remember that we may be a king or queen, but we are not the king. Help us to not have to be humbled the way Nebuchadnezzar was humbled. God, may we just learn from uh, what you've said in your word. We just thank you for everything you've given us. In Jesus' name.